All right, let me take a minute and talk to you about one of our favorite sponsors, which, of course, is Steel. We love them because not only do they make the most powerful and dependable chainsaws in the world, but they also have so many products to make your life a lot easier. And don't we look for that from time to time? Take, for example, the SEA 20 battery-powered vacuum. Now, both Julie and I had this handheld vacuum, and believe me when I say we both love it, with all of the attachments, you can get to those hard-to-reach places. Even if you have long arms, sometimes that's tough, right? Whether it's under the refrigerator or in the corner, underneath the bed, or vacuuming those drawers, the SEA 20 vacuum can do it all. Weighing, check this out, just under three pounds with the battery. This lightweight, quiet vacuum is really easy to maneuver in those tight spaces around the house. Plus, a rubberized grip makes it comfortable to hold while you work. There is no excuse anymore not to clean those hard-to-reach places because now Steel makes it really easy to do. Just go to SteelUSA.com to check it out and look at all those other dependable and innovative products that Steel makes. Steel, S-T-I-H-L, top rated for a reason. It is a new year, and uh, we're really happy to be talking about Molly's Spirits. If January is the month for kicking off some of those resolutions, why not start it off with a visit to Molly's Spirits? You can stock up for those playoff or Super Bowl parties that you're going to be having. Although the Broncos won't be joining the party this year, you can make the resolution that you're still going to enjoy the best sport around and maybe root for, I don't know, your second favorite team. How about that? Whether you're hosting a party, maybe heading off to a friend's for those parties, stop by Molly's and pick up your tried and true favorite beer, wine, or spirits. Or, better yet, kick off 2024 trying something a little bit new. Head to mollyspirits.com. You can check out their huge selection, guaranteed to appeal to your adventurous side. Or, check them out for yourself and head into one of their two locations that I've talked about. 44th and Harlan, or the DTC location at I-25 and Arapahoe on the west side of the highway right next to Sprouts. Molly Spirits, a resolution worth keeping. This week on the Dave Logan Podcast, remembering the great Larry Zimmer. He was genuine. Larry was authentic. What you saw from Larry as a broadcaster, what you heard from him, was really who he was. If not for Larry Zimmer, I'm pretty sure I would not be at KOA. Plus, Dave reacts to the NFL Divisional Playoffs and a look ahead to the championship games. I know Lamar Jackson's playing great and the Ravens look like the real deal. You can go broke betting against Patrick Mahomes. This is the Dave Logan Podcast. Time has run out. Stewart's throwing it to the end zone. The ball's in the air. Caught! Colorado scores! The ball was stiff, and the Buffaloes came up with it. Time has run out. Colorado has won the game. Colorado has won the game. Unbelievable. The ball is on at the 36-yard line. Stewart let it fly. I don't know who caught it. I don't know who caught it, but Colorado has won the game. Welcome to the Dave Logan Podcast. Dave Logan and Julie Brownman, podcast number 198, as we uh, just started today's podcast in a in a fitting way, a tribute to uh, our good friend, my former partner, Larry Zimmer. That was Larry's call at the... Uh, at the Michigan game, University of Colorado and Michigan, that uh, they won on that improbable Hail Mary, the 73-yard Cordell Stewart pass, which gave the Buffs the win. What a great, great memory that was. It was. I would say this is a 
bittersweet conversation for both of us. Sure. Because Larry actually, Larry gave me my first job. I interned at 18 years old. That's when I met you. I was 18. And you were, I was teaching you how to uh, splice tape. Right. That was back, literally, <laughs> you wait, you were teaching me how to splice tape? Yeah, you had just started. You had come over from KBIG, right? Now, what, what year are we talking about? We're what talking year would you about... have been 18? Because I, I think we're mixing our... No, no, no. So I went to college 88 through 92, and then Larry hired me for my first job at 22 years old. So you, you, so you interned at KOA what year? Oh, I don't know, 89, 90, around Not, there. 90 was my first year Okay, here. so 90. Yeah. So I remember Larry... Teaching you how to splice tape? <laughs> well, of course. But then he said, teach Dave how to splice tape. Mm. And So those, you're the reason that I never really fully learned how to splice the tape Dave, correctly. your hands are so big. Yeah, I know. And I, I mean, look, literally, for people that don't know, and I mean, fortunately for us, the, uh, the industry has changed. Uh, everything is done on a computer now. But you literally had to, with scotch tape, tape, <laughs> like tape, tape back together yeah. to splice yeah. if there was a reason that whatever interview you did uh, stopped or or you wanted to stop it. I mean, it was a nightmare for somebody that has meat cleavers for hands. Yeah, and I was like, this dude's never going to do it. I'm sure you're thinking, I'm never going to do this. But we like played the but game. learned how. Yeah, so this is, um, you know, this, I I know that you, we knew Larry was sick. But um, 88 years old, an amazing, amazing career. But we both have a very personal um, relationship with Larry. Yeah, and I've, I've told the story because we've, I've, I've talked about it um, on KOA and, and on TV too uh, yesterday and today. And uh, I had a chance to go up and visit Larry. Uh, gosh, it would have been, what, four or five days before his passing. And, I mean, he, he knew exactly where he was. Um, he was sleeping, he was in ICU and I walked in the, uh, the room, they let me go in. I just sat cause, cause they had said he'd had some guests and that he was very tired. So I wasn't going to walk in and wake him, but you know, he woke up after, you know, a few minutes and we had just the best, the best conversation, uh, about, uh, hour and a half of just it, sitting, reminiscing about the university of Colorado and, our days uh, working together at KOA, and I think one of the blessings, and we talked specifically about this, uh, was that he was completely with it cognitively. I mean, mentally sharp as a tack, and he was 88 years old. And so, you know, we don't get to, we don't get to pick sort of how eventually we leave the earth. But I think if... Uh, you know, if you if you had the choice, I think Larry uh, realized that that um, being completely aware of everything going on is and, and able to communicate uh, right up until the the last um, is is not not a bad way. But but the memories and uh, you know got some great laughs. Tell um, me about one of those, like uh, just a moment that oh, you guys had. Um, and I told this story before. Larry, Larry was the guy that called me. I mean, Larry and Bob. It, I mean, Larry started doing CU games when I was in high school, and then I got to know Larry a little bit when I played football and basketball at CU because he was the play-by-play guy. So occasionally, I'd be interviewed by the voice of the Buffs, right? And so that was my first introduction 
with Larry Zimmer. And then, um, and then on the weekends, I mean, it was, it was just the thing to do. You listen to Bob Martin and Larry Zimmer call Broncos games. Oh, for sure. Right. I mean, that was just, so I remember even doing that when I was in college. And, um, then of course I left for quite a while to go play with the Browns and, and come back. And, uh, but, but Larry, when you fast forward, I started my radio career in 86, working with Herb Brown and Joe Williams and, um, was just plugging along, trying to get my career off the ground in radio and then doing freelance TV and just, you know, working every weekend, taking whatever job was available. And Larry and Bob were the, were the voice Bob was the voice of the Broncos and Larry was his color analyst. And so in the Super Bowl, the Broncos got beat by the Niners in New Orleans. Um, Bob was so ill, he made the trip, but he was unable to do the game. And so Larry moved over and did play-by-play. And I think Jim Turner, the former yeah. Bronco kicker, uh, did color in that game. Jim's gone as well. but um, And then Bob passed that spring. Larry called me from the radio station, I think like in, I don't know, April or May. And of course, I had somewhat of a relationship with him. He said, Dave, I think this would be a job that you'd want to interview for. And I had not even given it a moment's thought. I mean, I really hadn't because, you know, Larry was doing color. So I'm thinking, okay, KOA is going to go out and hire somebody to replace Bob. I didn't know that that would be Larry. So I was really content working with Irvin Joe. And so I did. I interviewed for the job and then ultimately um, took the job and then had, uh, it would be six full seasons of, of working with Larry. But if, if not for Larry Zimmer, I, I'm pretty sure I would not be at KOA. I wouldn't have. He made up at 22 to be the sports producer at KOA. Right. Yeah. And then, and then, then you went from... Well, and then he gave me the opportunity to do Saturday morning updates. That's right. So I took that tape and I got the job at After Extra you spliced it together. <laughs> all the mistakes that I spliced in the Well, I mean, out. we all were splicing tape. Yeah. And then that's how I got my on-air job at Extra Sports 690 in San Diego. So I would not be... So what's one of the things that you learned from Larry? I mean, every play-by-play person has their own style mm-hmm. and does it. But what is something you're like, hmm, Yep. I want that. I I thought that, um, I mean, I thought Larry was a very uh, generous partner. Um, Which is not always the case. Which is not the case. I think think ego plays a huge role in in everybody's job to a certain degree. And Larry had a chance, being the sort of veteran of that uh, duo, to, to become territorial. And he never was that way with me. Um, I, I listened to him so closely because I'm doing the game with him, but I listened to him in terms of, uh, and things that I the remember that I like Larry. Uh, and I've said this before, Larry, um, always made the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing to Larry was the game, the players and creating the visual for people listening as to what was going on in that game. Larry Larry never made a broadcast about him. Right? Uh and and I you know we, broadcasting play by play is so subjective. You like some guys, you don't like some guys. You like some women, you don't like some women. I mean everybody has their own style. 
Larry, I think what uh, one other thing I really appreciated about his broadcast was um you could he could let his audience know that the Broncos were playing really well or maybe were about to be in the midst of a big play simply from his inflection and his enthusiasm. And conversely, he he could let you know that they weren't playing very well or maybe playing poorly just from almost his lack of enthusiasm on the air. And it, it stopped just short of being disdain, <laughs> right? So he could... He could criticize in the right way, and he he was so good. I mean, he was he was genuine. Larry was authentic. What you saw from Larry as a broadcaster, what you heard from him, was really who he he was. And I think too often, I won't say too often, but we all know of cases where that's really not not how it is. Larry did not want to. If if there was a five or six yard run by Sammy Winder. He didn't make it sound like there was a 40-yard <laughs> run. I mean, right. so so people listening at home, when Larry would get excited about it and you start to hear him, they knew that was the cue, like, okay, the Broncos are doing something worth me really paying attention to. He could do that with his enthusiasm and with his inflection, and not every play sounded like it, it was a 90-yard touchdown play, and I really appreciated that from him. Yeah. So before, um, and he also, his voice was generally his voice. Sometimes you hear play by play people and they're talking like this and then all of a sudden they talk like that. Yeah. Larry was Larry, right? Larry had such a distinctive voice. He really did. And I would say what, what you, what you're talking about is Larry was not affected, right? His broadcast style, he was not affected. Right. It sounded like Larry. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I learned that from him as well. Um, and I won't say too many, but we know of people when you hear them broadcast. That's that's really not the way they. That's not the way they talk, right? And with Larry, that was exactly the way he talked. If you heard Larry broadcast a game, and then had gone to dinner with him on the road of a Bronco game, wherever the night before, they sounded exactly the same. Yeah, and I thought he was really good at that. One last thing, so Larry. Got everybody, and he. I feel like he got you and your personality. Do you remember a time where, because maybe back in the day you were you were feisty in the booth, where Larry would just be like, "Okay, Dave, like, don't run after the Chiefs fan in the stadium," or (laughs) you know what I mean? No, Larry was, and again, um, you know, I was in my I was in my thirties, yeah, when I started broadcasting Broncos games. So you were thirty eight. I remember that. Yeah, I was twenty four. No, I would have been, I would have been thirty five, just turning really? thirty six. My first oh, year. Oh, that's right, because I was in college. Okay. So, yeah, Larry, Larry, certainly, uh, you know, I learned a lot from him, and uh-huh. one of the things was, um, and, and I'm much better, probably partially due to him, uh, of not reacting to well. I've told the story on the air. I mean, when somebody throws a full beer through an open window into your booth because they think you're the uh, instant replay booth and it splatters right behind you all over everything, then, brother, there's going to have to be a conversation had. But what did Larry say to you? Well, I mean, I he he didn't say anything. 
during the, I took the headphones off and I pointed mm-hmm. out of the booth. I said, you stay right where you are. I sprinted out of the booth, ran all the way down to the elevator, went down to that floor. The game has ended. Here come 78,000 whatever people at Arrowhead all dressed in red. He was dressed in red. I'm thinking what? Finally, I got back to the booth and I, I was a bit sheepish <laughs> and put my headphones back on and we went to a break and Larry looked over and said, Dave, you know you can't do that. <laughs> and it was it was almost like I was, I mean, he did it in such a calm manner that I felt <laughs> it was like my older uncle just saying, listen, bro, you can't, right? But I, so you you learn things. We, we all, you know, we learn things as we experience things in life and as we go through life and you learn things that you like and you learn things that you probably should not repeat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that just, yeah. Ugh. That one just sucked. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Yeah, it it did. I mean, it's, uh, you know, closing with Zim, I think he, uh, he was genuinely a kind person. Yeah. I think that, um, again, you know, genuine, so genuine. Um, and I, I, I can't think of anybody that I would know of that, that wouldn't like Larry had they met him, spent some time around him. I went to two, a uh, couple of opera performances because he and Bridget were <laughs> huge opera fans. I was not an opera dude growing up, didn't even really know what opera was, but I, but I enjoyed him. I mean, I, I, I did. And, uh, you know, just the dinners, Zim was big on when the Broncos would travel the night before the game, we would all, as the crew, go out, and we did not go to, like, you know, mid-level restaurants. You did it. Did right. not. We went to, like, five-star restaurants. Nice. And it was, like, four-course meals. that took forever. Like, but but that was just, that was what he enjoyed doing. He enjoyed the camaraderie. He enjoyed, uh, he just enjoyed, and, and he had done the same thing with Bob, right? Mm. They were, they were, I won't say food snobs. I'll, I'll I'll put I'll say they were food connoisseurs, mm-hmm. and they wanted to go to the big time restaurants. And so, for the first five or six years of my uh, my Broncos career, that's exactly what we did. I was in Winter Park yesterday. And you know, he loved Winter Park, yes, he and did. I did he not want there. to go skiing. I dragged my ass up. I was like, I'm freaking going skiing. Went for an hour. Yeah, it was for Larry. Yeah, he loved Winter Park. <laughs> he, he and Bridget had a place up there. Uh, you know, Broncos <laughs> former Broncos GM John Beak and. Mm-hmm. Marsha, his wife, uh, good friends of Larry and Bridget. They had they have a place up there, and it was a uh, that that was one of his other uh, true loves. I think going up to Winter Park and skiing and just experiencing that. Yeah, so we love we love you, Larry. Yeah, absolutely, and we, will, we will miss you, Larry. We're going to take a break on the Dave Logan podcast. Well, it's a new year, and you know what that means, right? You put everything together, you put things in order, and if you need a personal injury lawyer, but just don't know exactly who to turn to, we can help you with that. And I've been talking about Dan Kaplis Law for years. That's because I am a true believer in Dan's commitment to his clients. He's been practicing law for 41 years, and he's been litigating all types of injury cases throughout his career. And I'm talking about anything from wrongful death to truck and car accidents to multiple cases of hospital negligence. Dan has won millions of dollars for his clients. He's, first of all, a good man. He's fearless and proven. But Dan Kaplis Law also doesn't strive to gain as many clients as they can because that's not 
not how Dan does business. Every one of his clients receive personal attention and the full benefit of his vast experience and resources. So give Dan Kaplis Law a call or put this phone number somewhere you can find it. 303-770-5551. You can call Dan for a free consultation or go to dancaplislaw.com and read testimonials and much more about Dan's record-setting cases. Dan Kaplis Law, a serious firm for serious cases. Let me take a minute and talk about one of our favorite sponsors, the Colorado State Patrol. If you are looking to make a career change, and maybe this year, why not do it with the CHP? The Colorado State Patrol is currently hiring for the port of entry. Now, what exactly does that mean? Well, port of entry officers are responsible for clearing commercial vehicles at the port of entry uh, by weighing vehicles using fixed or portable scales via computer terminals. Where will you work? There are nine locations around the state and also a $1,500 bonus with your final offer and another $1,500 after completing one year of service. So the question what are you waiting for? Just visit csp.colorado.gov backslash employment for all the details and information to apply. The Colorado State Patrol. Play for a winning team. Welcome back to the Dave Logan Podcast. Dave Logan and Julie Brownman. Uh, good, uh, to, good to reminisce about Larry Zimmer uh, in the first segment. And uh, Larry would have enjoyed, I tell you this much, knowing him, he would have enjoyed the playoff action over the weekend. There was some, uh, there was some really good, good football played. What was your favorite? I mean, I, I think Chiefs Bills lived up to all of it. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, it, it to me, it shows the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, and uh, the Chiefs were just a better team. I thought both quarterbacks played really well. Uh, I, I, I've heard some people say that Josh Allen, mm, you know, didn't play as well as he should have. I, I thought he played really well. And, um, I mean, there were reasons that the bills didn't win the game. I will say this, the bills had the the ball. Yeah. But they've got the ball. They convert fourth and three in the last drive and watching that game. I'm saying you better go down and you better score a touchdown. That's the only chance you have to win the game. And, and they couldn't get it done. Uh, missed a deep throw. I, I think the receiver, uh, went over the top of the safety and should have cut under the safety personally going back and looking at that. So I think it's as much on Shakir as it is on Josh Allen. He got hit as he threw the ball. but um, And then on third down, may have missed a crossing route that would have given him a chance to go forward and fourth. But even had they made the kick with a minute and whatever, 53 left, there's no doubt in my mind how that game played out that Patrick Mahomes is going to move the ball down and they're going to kick a field goal and win. The Bills' defense had zero chance of stopping the Kansas City offense all day long. I mean, like they never stopped Kansas City. That was the best performance, I think, of the year by the Chiefs offense. So you can say what you want about Josh Allen. I take him here in a heartbeat. Um, And yes, he's 0 for 3 against Patrick Mahomes. In, In the playoffs, there are a whole bunch of people that are 0 for whatever against Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. And I will say this before we talk about the other couple of games. I know Lamar Jackson's playing great, and the Ravens look like the real deal. Uh, You can go broke betting against Patrick Mahomes. Ravens are a three-point favorite at home. I think that will be a hellacious 
football game. And would I be surprised if the Chiefs win? I absolutely would not. You mentioned Lamar Jackson. He had four touchdowns. Chiefs at Ravens Sunday at 1 o'clock. That's one of those that, like you said, it's just going to be an unbelievable matchup. And that's one I just pray that lives up to it. Because sometimes it, it will. looks, I, God, I hope so. It will. I mean, Lamar, the Ravens didn't get it going in the first half. Mm-hmm. They certainly did in the second half. Uh, they're they're good on defense. They're prolific on offense with him playing quarterback. So uh, you know, I think. I mean, I th- I think it's right there for the Ravens. But I'm just telling you, when 15 is playing quarterback, and the, and the defense of the Chiefs, even though they got gouged a bit in the running game in the first half, in particular against Buffalo, um, they're still pretty good. I I think that'll be a hell of a matchup. I do not think that's going to be an easy game or Baltimore in any shape or form. Over in the NFC, San Francisco beats the Packers 24-21 to end that kind of feel-good look story. Good. And I picked I picked the Niners to uh, get to the Super Bowl. And, and as I'm watching that game, I'm thinking, I got the wrong pick because Green Bay outplayed them, yeah. um, made more plays. I thought it was the first game that I've seen Brock Purdy look really shaky in the pocket. Um the Niners really couldn't pressure Jordan Love like I thought they might. Green Bay has got some open receivers running against San Francisco. But when they had to have a stop, they got it. And when the Niners had to have a drive for a touchdown, they got it. And Purdy was good. So, um, And then you look on the other, the other side with Detroit. What I mean, it's such a great story. I think it's one of the best stories that uh, we have in our league in a long, long time just because of how downtrodden the Lions have been my entire lifetime. So just to think that they're in the NFC Championship game uh, with a coach and a message that I completely, um, you know, can appreciate. You know, they're a seven-point underdog. So I I think they're going to have a hard time stopping San Francisco, but they're good enough on offense and creative enough with what they do that the Niners better not better not sleep on them. I hope that San Francisco is prepared to, except for if you live in San Francisco and a 49er fan, to be the team that everybody's rooting against. The Lions are such... Oh, yeah. yeah there won't right? be anybody that's not got an affiliation with San Francisco. There won't be anybody that is not rooting for the Lions. Right. That, the only thing that would have made it better this year with the Broncos out of the playoffs mm-hmm. is that the Browns... <laughs> could have somehow navigated through. Yeah. Can you imagine the Browns and the Lions in a Super Bowl? There are four teams in the NFL currently that have never played for the Super Bowl. Lions, Browns, Texans, Jaguars. The Texans and the Jaguars basically, I mean, haven't been around. Jaguars, I think it was 90s, whatever it was, early 90s. Um Maybe 95. Is that when they beat us? No, that's when they came into existence. They beat the Broncos in 96. Oh, 96. Okay. So, but the Browns and the Lions have had storied and long-term mm-hmm. uh, history. And Browns haven't won a championship since 64. Lions haven't won a championship since 57. Oh, my gosh. Do you have a prediction on who's going to play in the Super Bowl? Oh, oh. It's a hard-hitting question. So, the yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah. If uh, the, and we're taping this on a Monday, yeah. Um, if I had to say right now, you do. I'd say, I'd say I would take Kansas City plus the three points, 
And I would say San Francisco wins, but not decisively. So I, I can see, if I had to pick right now, I'd say it's the Chiefs and the Niners in the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A little rematch of whatever, two, three, three, four years ago. All right. Well, we will talk about it next week. All that good stuff. All right, boy.